0: I think the pop star got it right. Name that tune. Got it? Heart of the Matter? Yeah. All right. Catch some lyrics for just a moment. Now, I don't know where Don Henley fits in the scheme of of faith and those types of things. But he certainly understood, as far as his relationships, uh, uh, in particular, I guess, with one person, how important forgiveness was. And the reason I start out with this is because I want to ask you a simple question. But I want an honest answer internally. You don't have to tell us all. Honest question that demands an honest answer. How good are you? At forgiving people. Think about it for a moment. You can think about it in terms of big slights, you know, the, the, the person who, who truly betrayed you in, in heart or body or, or, or mind, the person who uh, uh, has stabbed you in the back at work, the person who has, has uh, uh, violated you, the person who has, has wronged you. But you can think about it in terms of the small things too. The frustrations that are involved in family relationships. When you want to go left but you're made to go right. When uh, uh, your children just don't seem quite to be on the same wavelength you are. Or your parents don't seem to be on the same wavelength. Think of it in terms of your friends. When someone comes back from a two-zero deficit in racquetball. To take the game and then rub your nose in it in Sunday school class. (laughs) Forgiveness. Even if they don't deserve it. Rather than holding on to that little bitter grudge. Um, I think for some people maybe forgiveness is inherently easier than it is for others. But regardless of who you are. I believe how well we forgive other people is a good indicator of our depth of appreciation and understanding for God's forgiveness of us. And so I want to talk about today the first of our three or so classes on salvation, specifically talking about Paul's views and how they relate to forgiveness. So let's start Recognizing I'm going to cover three different areas. We're going to talk about the importance of forgiveness. We're going to talk about how salvation has started. Who's behind the whole thing anyway. And then we're going to talk about God's call to us. Those are the three points of today's class. The first point is the importance of forgiving. The importance of forgiveness. And it's very important, obviously, that we have forgiveness But it's important not only in in our possessing the forgiveness, but it's important in how we treat other people too. See, how well we understand forgiveness from God will be directly reflected in how we forgive other people. We get an indication of this from the Lord's Prayer. It was in the Lord's Prayer, remember, where Jesus, teaching his disciples to pray... Uh, the, our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth it is as, it, as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespasses or debts as we forgive those who trespass against us and that doesn't mean that that god's got a legal standard and if you forgive then you will be forgiven 100% that's not at all what Jesus is referencing here he's referencing the relationship between our understanding of how God forgives us and the way we take that to forgive other people not the sole point of his prayer but certainly the relationship is there so why do we want to understand forgiveness well, if we understand God's forgiveness for us, I'm convinced it's going to bring us a great deal of personal peace. As we understand God's forgiveness, the inner turmoil that we, we suffer through, you know, that, that, that frustration at not being as good as we want to be, of truly not achieving what we wish we could achieve the frustration of, of, of trying to handle all that life throws at us, trying to handle tough relationships, trying to handle difficult people. All of those issues that cause turmoil are affected by our understanding and appreciating God's forgiveness of us. And as we understand it and appreciate it more, personal peace comes. Not only personal peace, but as we understand forgiveness better, We have a more godly walk. Our walk with God is directly... Here's a bizarre... I don't know if it's ironic because I don't really understand what that word means, my wife tells me, but I think this is ironic. Maybe it's not. But it seems to me bizarre that... I fall short of what I want to do for God and how I want to be for God. I sin. There are areas in my life where I really need some divine intervention. Okay? And, and yet, I will grow in those areas to some degree based on how well I understand that I've been forgiven for those sins. That's almost opposite of the way it should be. The human part of me cries out and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I should grow in those areas and then get forgiveness. Okay, God should be giving me forgiveness as long as I commit to, you know, it's the I'm about to die. God, rescue me from this and I'll never do ABC again type syndrome. When in fact God says, I'm rescuing you, I'm forgiving you from A, B, and C. And when you understand that, you'll do much better at living a godly life. It's important we understand God's forgiveness because as we understand it, it will bring stronger relationships. It will bring stronger marriages. I've got some friends who are going through some difficult times right now. With, and, and, and I was talking to them about it. And they said, you know, some of the toughest part is the way we as parents are handling this. Because we're both on emotional roller coasters. The problem is we're riding at different times. So when she's up here, he's down here. And when she's down here, he's up there. And they said, do you know what that means? And I said, what? And they said, Friction. We seem to be just getting on each other's nerves when what we need to be doing is pulling together the the difficulties in the wagons. And it just reinforced to me as they told me that how important it is in, in our relationships and in our marriages to build stronger ones. If we don't let the petty things or even the big things stop us from forgiving and walking in a spirit of forgiveness... Forgiveness is not always just a, okay, well, when you apologize, you'll, I'll cut you the slack. There, there's a, a, a spirit of forgiveness that we need to grow in, and as we do it, will strengthen our relationships. Another reason understanding God's forgiveness is important is because it's going to bring us greater joy in life. Are you miserable? I'm convinced your joy, you, you, you may not jump for joy. Like in the picture. But your joy is going to measurably increase. There is a measure of joy we get as we understand God's forgiveness that's indescribable. And it's a boost to wherever we are in life and whatever is going on. What else? As we understand God's forgiveness, it's going to bring us a greater love for God. And a greater love for each other. What I hope you're seeing here is is the way forgiveness can unlock for us many treasures of life. Maybe we should write a book of ten ways you'll enjoy life more than you ever have before and see if it makes it on the bestsellers. But a key to it would be understand God's forgiveness. When you're burdened down, When you're ignoring God, when you're troubled by God, when you're inquisitive about God, but non-committed about God. There's a certain amount of of burden that you feel that is removed when you have God's forgiveness and you understand it and walk in it. And so I think uh, uh, the the, the importance of understanding forgiveness is huge importance of having and understanding forgiveness is huge. But let's look at it from a second angle. Let's look at how salvation has started for us. Where was the starting point of salvation? I don't know how many of you have children. We have five. You can borrow some if you ever need to. <laughs> One of the things I learned from the early on Era Of our children not so much with Will our oldest boy he was four before he, he had any siblings but right after him came two girls very close in age Gracie and Rachel and I learned then that they have lines that they use that I used when I was a kid some of the same jokes they'll come home and tell a joke. And they'll think it's the funniest thing in the world and not realize, I told that joke in third grade. Do you know they still sing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid (laughs) a Neg. Batmobile Lost a Wheel and Joker Got Away or something. They still sing it. I don't even think they know who the Joker was necessarily. They're singing it. I sang that song when I was a kid. Do you know one of the lines they use that I used with Catherine, my sister? She doesn't like me calling her my older sister, so I'm not. (laughs) One of the lines, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) see, she's going to use the line on me right now when church is over. And I'm leaning on her and Randy for a huge favor today. Um, She started it. We used that line. My kids used that line. For some reason, someone starting it is rather significant in the world of refereeing fights. Don't do that. She started it. Come on now, you use that line somewhere in your life. Well, who started something can be rather important. And the forgiveness that we have and the salvation we enjoy in the Lord Jesus, the salvation, it was started by God. God is the one who started the salvation and initiated it for man. It is, it is God's will that man be saved, it is God's desire. That man be saved look at the passage of scripture from Galatians 1 3 and 4 grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present age according to what the will of God. It's God's will. That we be forgiven. It's God's will that we be saved. It's God's desire. God is not a guy who's got a certain number of tickets. Because there's only so much room. One of the interesting things about law schools. And I stay closely associated with the law school where I went. And, and law schools have rankings in, by U.S. News and World Report and the law schools work real hard to increase their rankings, one of the ways you increase your ranking as a law school is you raise up the average grade of who's coming into your school. So what law schools have done is they've reduced the size of their classes, say from 800 to 600, so that they can boost up the average grade. And if you want to get into law school, it's very difficult. Because you've got to have great grades, you've got to have great test scores, you've got, to, you've got to beat out the other applicants. Well, it's not that way with God. God's not, God doesn't have a quota system for heaven. God's not there saying, okay, I've got room for, oh, let's see, from Champion Forest, I've got room for maybe a hundred, but, but that's going to be it. Um... You know, you don't increase your odds by going to a smaller church because there's just a certain number are going to get saved. Hey, we're going to go to that uh, Lanier class. You know, they've got more slots. It, (laughs) It doesn't work that way. God's will and desire is for everyone to be saved. He'll make room for anyone. He'll pay the price for everyone's sin. Because his desire, as Peter says, is for all to be saved. That's his heart. That's his will. The salvation that we have, that God has willed and desired for us, has not been some kind of an afterthought. It's not been God saying, oh, gee, I made Adam and Eve, but now they've sinned. What are we going to do? Well, plan B. Yeah, will make the best of a bad situation. That looks like it's going to cost the blood of Christ. It wasn't an afterthought. It's something that God knew and that God recognized from, the, from, from before the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, Paul writes in Ephesians. According to the purpose of his will... God blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing. It's a determination God made before God created the world. In his omniscience, he knew what was coming down the pike. I have people ask me, well, if God's a loving God, why would he make man? If God knows everything, why would he make man knowing man would sin? And the answer is because God knew he could redeem man and would redeem man. Not everyone will choose to accept it, true. But God knew from before the foundation of the world that He would, in making a creature that was a free will agent, He was making a creature that would choose darkness and God would need to redeem that creature, to save that creature, to to forgive that creature in a just and right manner that's consistent with God's nature. God's decision to do God's decision to do this was not something that came from anything less than his very character. It came from his, his love. That's God's love. Paul said it this way in Second Thessalonians two, sixteen through seventeen. He said, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God the Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. May he, they comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. See, God loved us. God gave us eternal comfort. It was from His love that He did it. Look at it from this passage. In Romans 5.8, Paul says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, William Barclay calls it the divine initiative. God on his own, reached down, while we were yet sinners. That's especially poignant when you realize Paul wrote it and Paul was living at the time of the crucifixion. Not living as a follower of Jesus either. Shortly thereafter, he becomes a persecutor of the church. And Paul makes a point He says, while I was still a sinner, I wasn't... Following him, I wasn't calling him Lord I wasn't studying under him I wasn't adhering to his instruction While yet a sinner, Christ died for me God's initiative out of God's love And God's will and desire that man be saved Ultimately what I have to say on this point Is we got to realize God's not looking to lock anybody out God is in the saving business God is in the saving business. He's looking for ways to get them in, not ways to get them out. God's heart is to find any justification that is right before His character to allow eternal fellowship with us, where we get to live eternally in His presence. That's His desire. That's His will. That's what He's trying to do. That's what He is Doing better said It's God's love for us And it's the greatest thing out there Nothing is going to ever be able to separate you Or trump God's love There's not a thing you can find That's stronger than the love of God is for you There's not Paul said it this way in the Romans passage that's given so many people comfort If God is for us Who can be against us Neither death Nor life, not angels, not rulers, not anything in the world right now, not anything that's coming tomorrow that you're dreading, not anything that's too tall, not anything that's too deep. There's not a thing in everything that's ever been created that will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Nothing. So God's love... God's will, God's desire, God's heart, and God's provision is for humanity to be saved. It's important we have forgiveness. It's important we understand it came from God before we even remotely wanted it, sought it, asked for it, expected it. It's God's divine initiative for us. Now, our third point, Paul talks a lot about it being God's call. Salvation is something that we have been called to by God. So at this point, we're going to become Greek students. We haven't had a Greek word for the day in some time. I think we're due one. I have politely left out Zorba, the Greek's music that I usually put with this slide because some people said it was getting old. I didn't think that should matter because this Greek word's pretty old itself. The Greek word for call that Paul uses is kaleo. It's pretty, pretty easy to remember. Call, kaleo. Uh, my friend, Dr. Bob, thought he learned Spanish, and I asked him how, and he said he'd just add O or A to every word. That same rule would have worked well for this Greek word. Uh, what's the Greek for call? Uh, instead of O, add EO. Call EO. Okay? kaleo is the Greek word for call. And if we were to look it up in a Greek dictionary, we'd see several different meanings off of, uh, off of it. First, it means to assign a name. Um, I call John, John, because that's John's name. Okay? I call Louis, Lulu, because to me that's his name. You call someone a name, Kaleo, and that's fine. That's a good way to use the word, but the word has a more intense meaning. The more intense meaning, which appeals to me as a lawyer, is it's what word would have been used by the Greek society when you got issued a subpoena or a summons to appear in court. You got a Kaleo. You got a calling, not a, oh, gee, I may go. No, this is a summons. This is, you are hereby ordered to appear. Kaleo. Now, there's a third meaning of the word, which is the nuance that Paul uses. And so when we're talking about Paul's writings, we need to understand this third nuance. Then all of these, you can see how these words flow together. But for Paul, when he uses the word kaleo, he uses it in the sense of your vocation. uh, Joe Barnett might say he had been called into the ministry. We hear that expression called into a vocation. You've heard that? It's not just preachers and ministers that God calls. Paul teaches that God has a call for all of us. God initiates a call to all mankind. Just as God reaches down for forgiveness and God initiates salvation, God initiates it, Paul says, using the word calling. You've been called and I've been called to salvation just as much as we've been called to a job. Now for some this isn't that appealing of an illustration Because they hate their job Well there may be days you're not too fond Of what God's putting you through too But it doesn't change the fact It's your job It's something you have been called to by God I'm fortunate to love my job I absolutely love my job I count myself very fortunate in that regard. And I realize not everybody's in those shoes. But here's a job you can love. Because your ultimate job and my ultimate job is the real calling from God to walk in his salvation. And when Paul says we were called, that's what he means. He's saying it's, it's, it's. It's our job. So you might refuse. You might get a court summons and decide, oh, I ain't going. You get an RSVP? No. But God's still calling. He's still calling. And don't we know it? When we're honest enough, can't you sit there and say, I, I, I hear the call? I hear the call oh not audibly usually but internally well let's look at it Paul says that God's called us to salvation but he goes a lot deeper and he explains it a lot more Paul explains that God's call is universal God's call is for the world it's for all humanity but it's also very personal God calls each one of us individually St. Augustine said it this way. God loves each of us as though we were the only one. Does God call all people to his name and to be saved? Yes. But God calls us personally too. God says, Sandy, I'm calling you. Larry, I'm calling you. God calls us each one individually very personally and it's a wonderful thing So, what does it mean what job are we called to we're called to salvation what else is it what else is there if you're gonna do the job that God's called you to and by that job we mean walk as the saved person he wants you to be there's more to it than simply being saved For a while in my life, I thought God calls us to be Christians. Okay, I'll be a Christian and that's it. But that's not fair to Scripture. When God called Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees and to go start the nation of Israel, God didn't simply call him and say, hey, I want you to be my guy. God said, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. Called him with a purpose. God calls David out from among the children and says, I'm calling you to be the king and shepherd of my people. God calls his prophets. God calls Jeremiah and says, I want these words in your mouth. He calls Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh. God calls people. Jesus calls Andrew and Peter. And he doesn't say, hey, follow me. He says, follow me. I want you to be a fisher of men. See, there's there's purpose behind the calling. There's mission behind the calling. God's call to every Christian. Those aren't just, All oh, those are examples of holy men in the Bible. No, that's, that's, that, that applies across the board. God hadn't called anyone simply to be a Christian. He's called everyone to walk in good works that He's prepared beforehand for them to do. God's got a reason. He's got a job for you and me. In this day of unemployment, that's really encouraging. There's 0% unemployment in the kingdom of God. Now there might be a bunch of people not showing up for work, But there's 0% unemployment. You've got the job. You just may not be doing it. One example. God has called you as a vocation. He's assigned to you the job. He's given you the task of being holy. Paul uses the word in 1 Thessalonians 4.7. God has not called us, assigned us the job. He's not put us to work at being impure. God has called us to holiness. To holiness. When you're holy, don't get all uppity about it. It's not that you're doing anything spectacular on your own. Sir, you have no call to get snippy with me. I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job, is what she said. She got cut off a little early. Just doing my job. You got a job. You're supposed to be holy. It's not your only job. You've got a call to be at peace. It's your job to be at peace. That's a pretty good job. I'm so glad God didn't call me to worry and fret. Okay, Mark, your job is to worry and fret about things. What a horrible job. Now, don't get me wrong. I may not be doing my job too well. I may not be walking in God's peace. But that is what I'm supposed to be doing. And we get to be at peace whether we're doing something we like or something we don't. God has called you to peace. Be worried in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the call. Whether you're doing something you like or not. Sorry, Luke. Just doing my job. You've got to appreciate Got to appreciate that. Just doing my job. Oh, I need you worried about this, Mark. Well, I'm not going to worry about it. But I will present it to God in prayer. In supplication with thanksgiving. But I'm not going to cross the line into worry. Because I'm I'm on the team. I'm sorry. I can't worry about it. That's... Not in my job description. My job description is to leave it at the throne of God and trust him with the results. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you it's all going to work out rosy for the moment. But I'm going to tell you God loves me. And God's going to take care of it. And I'm going to do my best to walk in holiness and trust him with the results. I got problems here, I got problems there. You got problems here, you got problems there. Maybe you don't have a way to make ends meet. Maybe you can't find the right job. Maybe you can't figure out what's going on with your kids, or your parents, or your siblings, or whoever or someone at work. It doesn't matter. Any of that, it's not your job to worry about it. It's your job to set it before God and trust him. And to accept peace that may not make sense to your brain. But it'll pass understanding. And it'll still invade your heart. What else? God's call is one of grace. God doesn't call us to a rigorous set of do's and don'ts and rules that are rigid and outward. And if we just conform to this set of specifications, then the warranty is valid. God doesn't do that. God says, I want your heart. I want your heart. I'll never forget. In fact, I think it may have been Joe Barnett who was preaching a sermon one time and some he made some reference to, you know... Well, I want to come to Jesus, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a chain smoker and I'm addicted, so I need to quit that first. And I think his comment was, no, you give your life to Jesus and Jesus will teach you how to live. And when the time is right, he'll move in your heart and help you conquer the addiction. You may be struggling with it. That's fine. You keep struggling. Don't give up. Don't say, oh, good, I want to be... A, I'm going to be a Christian and become a chimney. No, but God's not saving only the non smokers, okay? He's saving everybody. And then, as saved people, He teaches us how we need to be living right before Him, whether the addiction is smoking or whether the addiction is Krispy Kreme donuts. I've got about ten of them right around here still that I hadn't been able to shake off. I love those things. Paul says it this way in Galatians, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. The, The Galatians were turning to a list of do's and don'ts. He says, I'm astonished you're doing that. Don't do that. That's not your job. Your job is to do right. That's your job. God calls you to fellowship interesting passage Paul says in 1st Corinthians 1 9 God's faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord God's called you into fellowship with his son with his kingdom he's called you. it's not a one-man show it's not a one-trick pony but it is something what you're called to from cradle to the grave it is a job that you're called to that's 24 7 365 days a year. The calling of God, which which is the peace, the holiness, all of these things, the fellowship of his son is something that, that is for all time of your life. God calls you into his kingdom. He calls you into his glory. He says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you. Into his own kingdom and glory. That's your job. Your job's to be in his kingdom. God calls you to belong to Christ. Paul says, God, Paul, he starts his Romans letter saying that he's called, he's given the vocation of being an apostle. But he's writing to the Romans who are given their own vocation. They're given the job of belonging to Christ. That's us. You've been called to belong to Christ, you've been called to have him as your Lord. You've been called to be His. That means also as part of your job, you've been called to live differently. You're to walk in a manner worthy of the job you have. Worthy of your calling. That, this, these are your work duds. This is your uniform. You, you wear work clothes. You, you, you walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That means you've got humility. I'm really proud of the fact I have humility. Not that kind. Real humility. What is the old book? Humility and how I've achieved it. No. Real humility. Think of the boon in your relationship with your spouse if only your spouse would have humility. No, it doesn't work either. It's self-directed here. Okay? If I had humility. If I had gentleness. If I had Patience. Those are my work clothes. That's what I'm to be wearing 24-7, 365 days a week. Now, this isn't rigid rules, but this is a freedom. But look what Paul says. He says, you were called the freedom brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And that's what we do. Have you seen the TV show Locked Up Abroad? national geographic that show freaks me out it's it's a real life stories about people who get locked up in prisons in third world countries where it's really no place you ever want to be in prison not that you want to be in prison here but not there but being locked up abroad or locked up here is nothing compared to being enslaved to sin We're just so used to it that we're numb to it. But you get a whiff of the freedom in Jesus Christ where all of that slavery is left behind and all of that sin is left behind and all of the rigid rules are left behind and you walk in His glorious spirit and might and power and there is nothing like it. God calls you to eternal life. Your job is to live with God eternally. Take hold of the eternal life, Paul told Timothy, to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. God's called us to eternal life. That's something to celebrate. There's some dancing for joy. Here's an important one. Paul says God calls you because of who God is, not because of what you do. the passage that i pulled out of 2 Timothy 1 God saved us and he called us he gave us the job he gave us the vocation to a holy job a holy calling not because of what we can do but because of his own purpose his own grace which he gave us in Christ before time even started and that takes us right back where we started God's divine initiative God has reached down. This is what we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks. But we're going to do it using a number of different metaphors Paul uses to talk about salvation. He uses justification, which is a legal metaphor. He uses uh, redemption. He uses uh, uh, adoption. He uses uh, six or seven different ones that we'll cover in this class. And it'll be, uh, uh, hopefully... Uh, encouraging, enlightening, and help us better understand the forgiveness we have from God, which will permeate out and affect everything we do. Three points for home. First, God has not called us to impurity, but God's called us in holiness. That's the job. That's the job. And it's a specific call to you. Put your name there. Fill out your own 1099-1099. Put your name, your address. This job follows you when you move. This is the job you get to take home with you. This is the joyful vocation. You finally, I promise you, you finally get the job of your dreams. It's the best job you'll ever have. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God initiated it. God initiated it. So I go back to the start of this. Forgiveness. Do we really want to hold grudges? I mean, if God's called us and God's done all of this for us and God's initiated forgiveness and this is the heart of God and the desire of God, do we really want to be His children and then hold a vendetta against our wife because she didn't have dinner ready? It just really irks me the way He drives just really irks me the way my kids do ABC. Or, my mother-in-law is a control freak. I heard that from a friend the other day. I can't stand my mother-in-law. She's a control freak. Well, she's 70 years old. She's entitled to be a control freak. You just smile, you love her, and ignore her. I mean, do we really want to get bitter and cause family division because some 75-year-old lady is a control freak? Just say, God bless your heart. (laughs) I do remember one time when Sarah was, uh, Sarah's our yoga, she was like six or seven, and she wanted me to do something, and I wasn't going to do it. It wasn't the right thing to be doing, and, and I told her so and she wanted my mom's phone number because she was going to call Mimi and get me in trouble. She's going to tell on me. Come on, I have been forgiven of so stinking much sin by our God and Father who did it out of love for me and has willed into my life so many incredible blessings, and I am going to hold something over someone else? Walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you. Dress for the job. Humility, patience, kindness. Wear what you need to wear to get the job done right. Be proud. Wear that uniform with pride. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your calling. It is my prayer that we will all answer that call from wherever we are in life right now. If we don't know you, Lord, we want to know you. Make yourself clear to us. Teach us who you are, what you have done, and bring us into fellowship and forgiveness with you. Lord, it is my prayer if we've already found that forgiveness with you that we will walk in it. That we will see your calling for us and we will become serious workaholics on your job for us. And see how that transforms our lives, our families, our world. We love you. We pray for your peace. We pray for your guidance. And we thank you for your mercies, which you have had for us from before time began. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, folks, if you are interested in joining our inreach ministry team, Tracy Martin right here. Have a great day. Thank you.